The epistle reading is from is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. As for me, brothers, when I came to you, I did not come with superior speech or wisdom in order to proclaim to you the testimony of God, for I had no intention of knowing anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, in fear, and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not marked by persuasive words of human wisdom, but by a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, but it is not a wisdom of this world or of the rulers of this world who are being reduced to nothing. Instead, we speak God's wisdom that has been hidden in mystery before the ages. God foreordained that this wisdom would result in our glory. None of the rulers of this world knew it. If they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written... What no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no human mind has conceived, that is what God has prepared for those who love him. But God revealed it to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Indeed, who among men knows a man's thoughts except the man's spirit within him? So also no one else knows God's thoughts except God's Spirit." What we received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we might know the blessings freely given to us by God. We also speak about these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, combining spiritual truths with spiritual words. However, an unspiritual person does not accept the truths taught by God's spirit because they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually evaluated. But the spiritual person evaluates all things, and he himself is evaluated by no one. Indeed, who has known the mind of the Lord? Who will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. The word spiritual brings to mind a lot of things. The word spiritual, for me, brings to mind a lot of things that actually aren't good. What one person regards as spiritual, another person regards as a delusion. For some, there seems to be no limits to what is acceptable when it comes to spirituality. Folks might talk about energies, crystals, disciplines, psychedelic drugs, and many other things. I don't understand these things, and they make me nervous. But this is not just some personal problem. This comes from my training as a Lutheran. The Lutheran Church has a very guarded attitude toward anybody who shows up and wants to start talking about spirits and energies and stuff. There's a reason for this guarded attitude from our history. So let's talk a bit about some history. As you perhaps remember, Martin Luther posted his 95 Theses against the Catholic Church's sale of indulgences on October 31st, 1517. 
Not long after this, Luther was forced to conclude that it was possible for the Pope to err and for church councils to err. The church wasn't infallible. What led Luther to that conclusion was not some rebellious, independent spirit within him. Luther wasn't like that, just the opposite, actually. What led him to believe that the church could err was that popes and councils have contradicted one another, and more importantly for Luther, they contradicted the scriptures. The scriptures became for Luther, and later the Lutheran church, the only infallible, pure source for what we believe and teach. That's where our spirituality is, the scriptures. This brought about a profound change in society. The way that things had been handled, spiritually speaking, up until the Reformation was that the Catholic Church officials would decide what was right and what was wrong instead of individuals reading the scriptures for themselves. And once the Catholic Church had decided what was right or wrong, they would go on to enforce those decisions up to and even including death. John Huss, for example, was a Bohemian reformer who lived about a hundred years before Luther. And even though he was promised safe passage, he was burned at the stake at the Council of Constance in 1415. Luther also was convicted of heresy by the Catholic Church and would have been put to death if he had fallen into the wrong hands. Obviously then, folks didn't just mess around with spiritual teachings under the Catholic Church. To do so was deadly serious. But perhaps you can anticipate what happened in Germany after the Reformation started to break the power of the Roman church officials. No longer was it the church officials who decided what was right and wrong. Everybody could decide for himself or herself what he or she wanted to believe. This was a bit like taking the lid off of a pressure cooker. Prior to that, nobody could do such a thing, and now all of a sudden spiritual teachers started to come out of the woodwork. Some said they had visions. Some said they had the Holy Spirit. Some said that the end of the world had come. Some said that your baptism didn't count. You need to do it again. Some said you should live in communes. Some said that not only the church officials needed to go, but all those in authority... The lords and princes needed to go too. Less than a decade after Luther posted the 95 Theses, it appeared that all hell had broken loose in Germany. And you can be sure that the Roman church officials were quite happy to blame all that on Luther. So, what was to be done in all this chaos? Should we get the stake back out again and start burning heretics? 
That is what the Roman church wanted to do, and when it was politically feasible for them, that is exactly what they did do. Should we embrace tolerance, live and let live? That would be how our modern world would handle it. Luther had a different way of handling it, and he and the Lutheran church didn't always live up to what Luther said, but by and large they did. And what Luther said was right. Luther said that heresies needed to be rooted out by the preaching of the word from the scriptures. Hard work must be done with the scriptures to refute errors. Only by going more thoroughly into what the scriptures say can errors be revealed for what they are so that people can be led away from them. And hard work should be done because it is important that we not err in spiritual matters. This is where Luther's attitude, and God willing, our own church's attitude as well, is very different from the modern world's attitude. The modern world thinks that spiritual matters are outdated and have no real effect. Don't get too upset about whatever anybody might teach in that realm. None of that stuff really matters. What matters is STEM education, finance, making money, and saving money. This, of course, is a spiritual teaching all of its own, but most people don't see it that way. What is spiritual to most people is that that kind of thing is like a hobby. Some people believe in crystals. Others believe in Christ the crucified. For the modern man, this is all gobbledygook anyway. So who cares what anybody believes or teaches? What really matters, instead of all that spiritual nonsense, is whatever is going on at the universities or in Washington or in Wall Street. If the Catholic Church was what ruled over people's minds and souls at Luther's time, I would say this modern mentality is what rules over the minds and souls of our own time. This does not mean, however, that anybody who is against this modern mindset, this materialist, corporatist, unbelieving, pleasure and power-seeking of our own times, is somebody who should be trusted. This, too, is very similar to Reformation times, when the lid came off the pot and the spiritual teachers were coming out of the woodwork, you can be sure that these teachers were very anti-Catholic. They had to be. If they were under the Catholic Church, they would have been burned at the stake as heretics. But this doesn't mean that just because they were against the Catholic Church that they were therefore good spiritual guides. There's more than one way that you can err. So it is also today. It appears that we are living in somewhat of a time of upheaval. Some people are learning that life is more than food, more than clothing, more than scientific or economic advancement, and thank God for that. These days, there are lots of ways that people can learn from the Internet. 
Lots of different voices out there. We aren't all watching the same advertisements on the same three TV networks anymore. That has its effect. So what can a person do in the midst of so many different voices? What Luther advised still holds true. Not every spirit is the Holy Spirit. In fact, there is only one spirit who is the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is always going to be leading us to Christ the crucified, as Paul says in our epistle reading today. Be very careful with visions or dreams. Visions or dreams can come from evil spirits. Be even more careful about people who brag not in the Lord and not in their own weakness, but in themselves. It's not hard to say that you have the Holy Spirit and therefore are empowered to lead others into supposedly higher and better things. Don't take drugs, psychedelic or otherwise. Don't engage in spiritual exercises. Be very skeptical about energies, crystals, modern versions of clean and unclean food, and so on. If you're bored, if you want to get busy with something, try getting busy with the Ten Commandments. There you have an inexhaustible guide for good works. Or turn to Jesus' words, for example, in the Sermon on the Mount. Our Gospel reading has been from there. And learn about Jesus' saving work from Jesus' own words, especially as they're found in John's Gospel, or from Romans, or from Galatians. Or you can go to the first two chief parts of our catechism, the Ten Commandments and the Creed, which summarize these things. This, I would argue, this advice is very much akin to what Paul has been saying in these readings these past few weeks. He tells these Corinthians, who, by the way, are very much like us, very much itching for power and for enlightenment and for excellence. Paul tells these Corinthians, we preach Christ and him crucified. Or as he says in today's reading, let me paraphrase a bit or add a bit, When I came among you, I didn't come with high-powered, secret teachings. I came with the ABCs of Christ crucified for you. In fact, I didn't come with anything but that. I didn't want to know anything else among you except these ABCs, that you are a sinner for whom Christ died in order to save And where can you learn that you're a sinner? You can learn that from the Ten Commandments. And where can you learn that God is the justifier, the savior of sinners? You can learn that from the Creed. A trait that seems to be common among false spiritual guides is that they are dissatisfied with these ABCs. The ABCs aren't good enough. That's baby stuff. They want to move on to secret teachings, secret political conspiracies, 
They like the book of Revelation. They often have peculiar notions about food. They hate the idea of just being common and run-of-the-mill. They don't want to be just sinners who are saved by Christ the crucified. They want to be powerful and great, saving this current generation and the generations to come by their ever-so-important discoveries and abilities. I hope you can see from the readings that we've had from 1 Corinthians that Paul is not like that. Who is Paul? Who is Apollos? They are nothing. They are worse than nothing. If they are not leading poor, miserable sinners to the forgiveness of sins in Christ the crucified. This is no extraordinary secret teaching. It's common teaching. There are, in fact, no secret teachings in Christianity. Anybody and everybody can know absolutely everything that Christians teach and believe in the perfectly public Bible. This is why we must be immediately suspicious, or perhaps even immediately flat-out reject, any teachings that come from visions or drugs or so-called Holy Spirit-filled people. Such things are not out in the open and common. Who can see the Holy Spirit, whether there's a Holy Spirit and somebody else? Whatever is not out in the open and common, openly taught in the scriptures, seems to contradict Paul's statement. I had no intention of knowing anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Knowing your spiritual ABCs, never ceasing to learn them, never graduating from them, that is, repenting and believing seems to me to be the main thrust of what Paul has been saying in these first two chapters of 1 Corinthians. Know your spiritual ABCs. I am determined to know nothing among you except Christ the crucified. And why is this so important? Because the devil's favorite activity is to dress up like an angel of light and start teaching religion. And he's one tricky shyster. As soon as you think you've avoided his errors on the left, you'll find out that he's already been at work with errors on the right. And it's not a grand and sophisticated campaign that will prove to be the devil's undoing, some human trickery. No, it's like Luther's hymn famously puts it, One little word can fell him. Though devils all the world should fill, all eager to devour us, we tremble not, we fear no ill. They shall not overpower us. This world's prince may still scowl fierce as he will. He can harm us none. He's judged. The deed is done. One little word can fell him. Maybe that one little word is Jesus crucified for me. We modern people might not believe that the world is filled with devils, but even those who have a hard time believing in demons should be able to recognize that the world is filled to the brim with teachers. And all these different teachers teach us different things about what is good and what is important and what is useful, and they all want our allegiance for their program. 
Our times are exceedingly dangerous, spiritually speaking. There are a million and one ways to go wrong. There's only one way to be saved. It's as Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, there is one body, that is Christ's body, and there is one spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, just as you are all called in the one hope of your calling, that you'll be saved from your sins. There is one Lord, and that's the Lord Jesus. And there's one faith, and that's in Christ the crucified. And there's one baptism that saves. And there's one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in us all. So when you are dealing with spiritual things, make sure that you are only dealing with the one Holy Spirit who makes known to us the mind of God in the scriptures. What is the mind of God? It's his saving will toward us in Christ Jesus. How before the world even began, he decided to save us in Christ the crucified. There are many other spirits, and these other spirits will even and especially show up in the churches, including our own churches, seeking to lead people astray. Well, don't be led astray. Rather, as Jesus says, follow the voice of the good shepherd, this good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. Don't despise simple teachings like that. That's what a Christian does believes in the good shepherd who has laid down his life for me. Have the faith of a child. And this faith, in fact, and this faith alone, is what overcomes the world. The peace of God that transcends all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.